Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 19 of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corsa, alongside my co-host Bjorn Webb. We're so honored that you've decided to join us today. We're in week two of our Local to Global series, and today is another great conversation with Mark Jentz. Mark is a leader, and if you are new to our podcast, our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always learning, always applying, and always teaching. We're in every phase of this, and there is no better person to learn from than Mark Jentz. Mark is a very wise man and you're going to love this conversation. So before we dive in, make sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share with a friend that helps us out a lot. And here's our conversation with Mark Jentz. We want to welcome to the sweat room, Mark Jentz. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here, Noah. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So uh, for those listeners that don't know, my name is Bjorn Webb. I am the sports and fitness ministry director here at Watermark Wesleyan Church. And my co-host, Noel Corston, he's uh, the sports ministry resident here. He's been here for about half a year. So to tell you guys a little bit about our guest we have today, Mark Jentz is a lifelong resident in Western New York. He's a huge Buffalo fan, all Buffalo sports teams. Um, He's a former player and coach himself basketball and softball especially for most of his life he's been active in leadership at various churches and christian organizations including but not limited to the western new york christian basketball league that mark i'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later Uh, mark and his wife and their family attend watermark wesleyan church um, which is the church that this podcast was birthed out of mark has worked as a business exec and consultant in a variety of uh, different businesses and is currently the president at golf car Express. That's a company that provides golf carts to networks who televise golf events. So welcome to the sweat room, Mark Jantz. Great to be here, Bjorn. Thanks. Yeah. So we're so excited to have you here, Mark. And um, another part of your bio is, Mark, you all have been a great friend of mine, specifically since I moved here to Buffalo, and even more so a mentor to me. I just appreciate all of our long conversations over breakfast, talking about sports and ministry and life. So yeah, thanks for doing this with us today. It's an honor. I love time with you guys. Yeah, awesome. So to start off, I know that you are have been a longtime Bills season ticket holder. Now, is there a game that maybe sticks out as your favorite of ones that you've been to here in Buffalo? You know, I'll date myself. The first game I went to was in 1964. So there's a ton of games wow. between then and now. Yeah, some uh, ups and downs for up, the Bills team. Ups and downs, but I've got my <laughs> list of 30 top games. Games that I've been to. Oh my <laughs> word! And, and for our listeners, he really does. He no, has he, the list printed out here in front of him of his top. It is legit. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, most of the games on that list are either championship games or come from behind games or you know first of a kind. I've been to four championship games, wow. but. Um, but, you know, the biggest game for me has to be the 1992 AFC wildcard game. Mm-hmm. January 3rd, 1993. You can look it up. It is called The Comeback. Yeah. Anywhere. And uh, most people in Buffalo know about it. It's the greatest second-half comeback in NFL history. And Frank Reich was our our quarterback who led that comeback. And he's now coaching the Indianapolis Colts, right? He is. He is coaching the Colts. He actually was going to church here. 
here in, in, mm. on this campus wow. during those years in in the early nineties. Very cool. And uh, but nobody gave us a chance. I mean, I actually couldn't even give away the ticket, my, my second ticket. Wow. <laughs> Everybody was down on the team at that point in time. But mm. as you know, as great as that game was, and it was incredible. He threw four touchdown passes in the third quarter and went to overtime, and obviously the Bills won. But the greatest moment for me was as I left the stadium, I'm walking alone through the parking lot, and somebody's got a big boombox at the time about to have all the post-game interviews. And here I walk by it just as Frank Reich is getting up, and he says, Guys, I'll, I'll be happy to answer all your questions, but first I want to share with you the words of a song that I've been meditating on all week during my devotions. Wow. And then he read the entire song, In Christ Alone. Wow. He had a chance to share his faith on a huge platform, and he did. And that was just incredible. Wow. wow. That's so awesome that he was bold in that moment. That's Wow. Mm. That's that is so amazing. Good. So for you... Were there athletes that you looked up to growing up, and how did that impact you? How did those specific athletes impact you? Yeah, you know, I I did have a lot. I mean, when I was a kid, athletes were role models. It's it's who I looked at as role models. And, you know, in baseball, Roberto Clemente from the Pittsburgh Pirates, Mm -hmm. his nickname is the Great One. And I loved his game. I loved that team. And I loved who he was in terms of being a humanitarian. And uh, later I ended up realizing I needed to like Willie Mays because if you really know baseball history, Willie Mays made what some people say is the greatest catch ever Mm -hmm. in the polo grounds. And I found out later he actually made that catch like three hours after I was born. On the day I was. Oh wow! wow. So uh, yeah, so I, you know, it was just incredible. That's, that's, yeah. And uh, you know, in basketball, my guys were Earl of Pearl Monroe and later Bob McAdoo here in Buffalo. Mm. But you know, really importantly to me when I was a kid is being a bu- huge Buffalo Bills fan. There was quite a bu- few Buffalo Bills back in the in the '60s, as well as the '70s and the '80s and the '90s, and right up through today, mm. who were Christians mm. and. I loved hearing their stories, and I got to meet some of them. I was involved uh, at a church in a Christian service brigade program, and I ended up meeting Jack Kemp, who was the quarterback of that team. Later, you know, became a congressman, and, and later became, uh, you know, in the cabinet in Washington. And, and Harry Jacobs, who was the defensive uh, coordinator mm. or the defensive quarterback, so to speak, of of that team. Which, you know, real interesting story. That was back in the '60s, the first day that I came to Hamburg Wesley. In the back foyer, I pointed out to my wife. I said, "That's that's Harry Jacobs." And <laughs> I walked over, and he said, "He didn't know who I was." And he said, "You want to come to Sunday school?" I said, "Yeah, I'll come." But first, I want to show you something. And I pulled out of my Bible case a te- a, a, a team picture. Hmm with his autograph on the back that I've been carrying in my Bible uh, for years and years and showed it to him. And we became great friends. So this was was after he was done playing? That was actually in, I'll get to that story later, but that's actually in 1990 when I met him. So it was over 20 years after I had seen him when I was a youth. And he became a great mentor of mine. Mm. Love Harry. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so cool. I love that. Well, I love that there are athletes and coaches that are Christians because for myself, the same as you growing up, athletes, that's who I idolize. Mm. You know, I see and that's who I want to be like. And being able to have athletes that are not only 
doing well and succeeding on the field, but are living a life that is glorifying to God off the field as well, that's just, that's huge because that's, that's a game changer where a lot of times we see in the media and different things, athletes that are maybe not doing that off the field. So having those, and, and I know right now, like on our Buffalo Bills team is we've got a bunch of guys that are, you know, living the right way off the field too. And everyone has their, you know, everyone has their flaws and everything, but for our youth to be able to have that is, is so important. I love that that has really impacted you, um, which gets me to this. You, growing up, you grew up strong in your faith. You talked about Christian Service Brigade. You talked about these Christian athletes that you looked up to. Was there a time in your faith, in your life, where you had to face adversity um, when you were growing up or at any time? Yeah, I guess, I, you know, I think we all do hit adversity, and, and we don't know when it's coming. Mm, sure. So, you know, if there's one point I'd like to make about adversity, it's don't wait till the adversity hits and, and then try to figure it out. Be mm. grounded. Have foundation beforehand. Now, if you don't have that grounding and foundation, then and run to God anyway. But, boy, it's a lot better off if you're already grounded. So, sure, you know, sure. when I think of my faith walk, I, I think of four phases of my of my life. And the first phase is really from when I was born till I was in my 20s. And I was really blessed to grow up in a Christian family. A lot of people say their parents were the best parents ever. I, I think, you know, I'm not going to say that because I'm going to leave some room for some other parents to also be great. <laughs> but what I will say is no one had better parents than mine. So mm. Some others might have tied. Mm. But, um, you know, I grew up in a family where we had family devotions and Sunday school, vacation Bible school at different churches, religious instructions after after school, confirmation classes, Christian service brigade, high school Bible studies, great people around me as, as mentors and examples. And uh, after college, I actually went out to St. Louis and worked in our Lutheran church headquarters for a while. And then I came home to Buffalo and, and got involved coaching basketball and leading the church youth group and teaching high school Bible study. It seemed like all was good. Yeah. Sort of the second phase is my life, my faith walk, is how my faith carried me through some devastation. Mm. Um, and I really hadn't shared this part of my life with more than a handful of people. Uh, but I shared it with you guys last week just to give you some context into my life. Sure. And, and you told me you thought it might be an encouragement to others. Mm. So, and, and so I'm going to go ahead and share it. But, yeah. uh, we, we'd love it if, you would, if you're open to sharing. I know that, you know, I, I'm guessing there may be somebody listening right now who's maybe gone through something similar or um, is in that sort of phase right now. And I hope that maybe the story you're about to share can be an encouragement to them. So, mm. yeah, thank you for your willingness. I'm going to hope that. Um, you know, at that time in my mid-20s, I, I was married. I thought all was good. And uh, like I said, I was involved at church. You know, I was living a good, proper life. Um, but even though there were signs of problems in my marriage, I missed those signs. Mm. And... Uh, it turned out that my, my wife was involved with someone else, mm. and that had been going on for a long time. Mm. And when I found out, I was devastated. I was humiliated. Wow. Uh, I tried to make the marriage work, mm. and I, I was grounded. I did have a good foundation of faith. And mm. and uh, so th that was that was the key point that, that really carried me through. <clears throat> there. There seemed to be some confusion between my wife and the other man's wife hmm. about who he wanted to be with. And so 
this is sort of strange. I, I guess I'd never heard this from anybody else, but like, you know, when I told you, Bjorn, you said you wouldn't be surprised I did this, but I just thought, okay, we got some confusion, so maybe the four of us all need to get together in a room and figure out how to go yeah, forward. Cause that, I, that's wild. <laughs> it might seem odd, but I, I was going through this time totally alone. No mm. one knew what I was dealing with. Wow. And I needed some clarity. I needed some some direction, and we needed to kind of figure out how to move forward. So, so we met. I told everybody we need some clarity and we need to figure out how we're going forward. And mm-hmm. He said he was going to stay with his wife, and you know, even though I was really hurting, I mean, my life seemed like it had ended. But but God gave me strength, mm-hmm. and before we left that room, I shared that there was great brokenness in the lives of people in that room. Mm-hmm. And I shared that there was only one true and right, only really one true and right path forward, and that was to seek Jesus and his ways. Mm-hmm. So I shared the gospel, uh, and I shared about how the life of Jesus had changed my life and that he was my Savior and Lord and offered to them that same opportunity. Mm-hmm. And if they ever wanted to talk about it then or later, that that we could. And wow. I just felt called to do that. That's got, that would have been so tough, mm-hmm. sitting in that room and being vulnerable in that moment, and but still having, being grounded in, you know, in your faith and saying, in the midst of this heartache, this brokenness, there's still hope. There's still light, and that's Jesus Christ. And man, I... I can't imagine. So kudos to you for for doing that. That's that's so cool. Yeah, and, and for me, if I I know when we were talking off air about this, if it was me, I'd have been like my reaction would have been completely different. But I think what's so amazing and so encouraging about your story is you you kind of just took back you you paused a little bit, you went back to your foundation which was on Christ, and He really just led you through that, and and that's what I love about that. And and I know when we were talking before. For this, it's just like it's just you're the epitome of in our weakness, Christ is our strength, and I and it's just such an encouragement for especially for our listeners listening. Is you took the high road and you did the right thing, and I, it's just such an amazing testimony. Mm-hmm. So thanks for sharing a little yeah. part with that, Mark. So Mark, then what kind of what kind of happened next? What what went from there? Well, you know, my faith carried me strong for about a year after that. At first, I. I continued my career, and that was that was strong. Um, I, I played a ton of basketball. I, I got to play more basketball and played with with more outstanding players, and ref, you know had you know had a great time doing that. And, and I lived out my faith. And so for a year, I was in transition. I didn't know what's going to happen in the future. You know, am I ever going to be married? Am I ever going to have kids? What's going to happen? But let's just settle down right now and, and do what I know, which is you know, career, play some ball, have some good friendships, live out my faith. Mm-hmm. But about a year later, there came a moment in time when temptations were all around me. And my faith weakened, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I was alone. I, you know, I didn't have a men's group. I didn't have, I didn't have the right. F- I had a faith in my head and in my heart with God, but I didn't have the structure around me that really helped to hold me accountable and encourage me. And I was alone, and I wavered in my faith. I, I, I believed in God. I knew God, but I was not following God's ways. Mm-hmm. And I slipped. Um, you know, in the old days, they'd call that backsliding. Yeah. I, I, I knew where I was, and I knew it wasn't a good place. 
I was having fun, but I knew I was missing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I call my third phase. Okay, cool. And then, you know, a couple of years later, uh, I met my wife, my, my wife now, Lori, and, you know, I had remarried. We had a wonderful relationship. And we could do a whole other podcast about how God's worked in our lives, hmm. you know, challenges we've had, how we've encouraged each other, but how we've been persistent in our love of God and love of each other, even in difficult times. But, uh, you know, about a year after we were married, in the summer of 1989, my best friend invited me to help him with a basketball camp at a Christian summer camp. Hmm. Wow. Well, that sounded fun. So yeah. <laughs> we'll go out to a camp. We'll be at a beach. We'll do a little basketball, play a little tennis. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some fun. Yeah, where do I sign up? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds <Yeah>. good. <laughs> it was great. and uh, But it was greater than I even expected because at that camp, the worship, the fellowship, the teaching really impacted me. Mm. And one day, as Lori and I were walking back to our cabin, I told Lori that I strongly sense God calling me back to him, like like the prodigal son, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because I hadn't thought about that. I always thought of myself as the good son in my life, but I realized as I was contemplating our discussion, I, I was a prodigal son. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that, and I told Lori that my faith had been renewed, and I did not know how she would react. I, I mm-hmm. really didn't know. But she immediately said, me too. Awesome. And she accepted Jesus as her Savior in wow. a powerful way on that day. Mm. Our life's never been the same since. Praise mm. God. Wow. That's that's so cool. So, Mark, could you tell us a little bit about how you sort of went from there to then first get involved with Christian sports leagues? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, from way back when I was younger, all the way back to junior high, I was playing playing basketball and playing softball, and including in church leagues. And, and played on a lot of teams and a lot of leagues. And, you know, the teams I played on, the coaches I played for, everybody was great, you know, good Christian guys. But it, it changed a really special way. When I was in high school, I, I played softball for the Orchard Park Wesleyan Church team. Mm. And a fellow named Pete Hadley was the coach. Mm. And that was my first experience in really specifically connecting sports and faith. Pete loved us. He coached us. He taught us. It was all about relationships. And well, I thank God for Pete in my life. I'm still in contact with him periodically, even to this even to this day. He's, mm. He was a mentor. He was an example. Mm. And some of what we do in the Western New York Christian Basketball League goes back to what I learned from him. Mm. And, and then I was in college. I went to Valparaiso University out in Indiana. And when I was out there, one of my best friends, Tom Narby, wrote me a letter and told me about this new youth pastor that had showed up at Orchard Park Wesleyan. His name was Dan Perigo. And I came back, and we played basketball, and he taught me the Bible. We, we sat down in his living room, and he opened up the Bible, and the Bible became new and fresh and powerful in a way that I had never experienced before. Wow. And, uh, you know, Dan was only in Orchard Park for a, a couple of years before he moved back to Indiana, and he was about an hour away from Valparaiso, so I kept seeing him while he was out there. And again, to this wow. day, I'm in contact with, with him and... Uh, what an incredible encouragement he's been. My life would not be the same without his investment in my life. Mm. I can't thank God enough for Dan Perigo in my life. Wow. Mm. 
That's wow. so cool. I love that. So for you, you've been involved with something that's pretty special around here at Watermark. So what is the origin of the Western New York Christian Basketball League? Yeah, it goes way back, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the original name of the league was the South Buffalo Church League. It was about six teams, sometimes seven. It was really what I would call a typical church league. It was a recreational league sponsored by churches to bring kids or adults from that church and give them a recreational outlet. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was a freshman in college when our church actually first got a team in that league, and I didn't find out about it till I was already out in Indiana. And, and everybody kept being like, well, Mark, get ready because the season starts in January. I'm like, I'm only going to be home for one game. Well, you play that game. So I played that first game because the league back then was January, February, March. Mm. Played that game, kept hearing about what was happening. Of course, there's no social media, no email. It was, sure. it was letters in the mail. And uh, I'd get a letter in the mail and say, here's what happened. And at some point in time, they said, we're going to be in the playoffs. You're going to have to come back. I said, I can't come back. And next thing you know, somebody actually paid to fly me from Chicago to Buffalo. Mm, that was never, a big deal. I had never been on a plane. <laughs> they flew me back to play a church league. I so, love that. That's so amazing. first time on a plane. First Western time New on a plane. Christian basketball league. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was fun. I went back to college, and then, you know, the, the basketball league kept kept going with their six or seven teams, and, and then, you know, my brother and friends played, and I'd see them play. But, uh, you know, over the course of time, when I came back to Buffalo, then that's when I ended up getting involved with it more. Mm. Wow. Yeah, cool. So you've been involved with this league for many, many years. And you've seen, you know, it from when you were playing in it to now as director, as talking about how sports can be used in ministry, what is the vision and mission of this league? And maybe how has that changed from over the years, from what it used to be to what it is now. Could you maybe talk to that, just the vision and mission of the league a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Uh, you know, I started coaching in 1977 after I got back to um, to Buffalo and, and started my career here. And I coached for, for about 15 years in, in, in the league. And wow. in 1981, I became the director of the league, and I've been in that role ever since. So it's been a long, it's been a long time. It's really near and dear to my heart. Now, you know, for all those years, 1977, when I started, you know, we on our team did some things in terms of bringing the kids back. We used to be a Saturday night league. We'd go back to church, get some pizza, you know, build relationships, had a Bible study. But the league didn't have that focus. We were the mm. only team that was really doing it. Mm. And then I had my my backsliding years. And so even as I was continuing to be the director, it was basically that recreation league. Um, and it was fun. But in 1989, after that summer experience at, at camp, when Lori and my life was changed, I just realized, okay, God's got a different purpose for this league. I, mm. I'm done playing, and I'm not coaching anymore. Mm. But hold on here. We've got anywhere from, at, at the time, we probably had about 80 kids. Now we've got nearly 200. But there's there's something different needs to happen here. And so we started to bring an element of what I call discipleship effort to the league, being clear about our league's purpose. And uh, But, you know, early on, remember where that league is coming from, we didn't have a whole lot of coaches and teams who were thinking exactly like me. So I sure. needed to build some, some credibility. I had changed. And... Mm. 
people needed to see is, is that for real? What's that about? What's Mark trying to do with the league? Because I'm a collaborative guy. I don't dictate. And so mm. I want to do things together. So, you know, over the course of a couple of years, we ended up changing to have uh, a, a focus more on, how, you know, what's God doing here in this in this league? And then, and then one year we ended up having a a full day workshop and tournament and we got some people involved to help us with that you know a real good friend of mine now russ kingsbury runs a program called youth advantage yeah we had we had russ on the podcast um just last week so yeah so if you haven't listened to russ we encourage you to go check that out um he's been involved in buffalo sports and ministry a lot too so yeah shout out to russ i gotta go back and hear that and and talk to russ very soon because he had great insight relationships experience Mm. He, he, he knew how to run programs he knew he knew how to run programs not just as programs but as as ways that really connected people and really impacted people mm-hmm. uh, and then so, so so we got russ and then you know we ended up i ended up meeting a fellow named bay forest kevin beers from here kept telling me about bay forest i said who's you know who's bay well i look him up he's a former nba player he's mm-hmm. he played it for the phoenix suns and i i ended up wow. meeting bay he ended up coming back here well, I I, don't, I lost count now. If it's four or five times we've had him back to Western New York, uh, you know, Bay became an evangelist. He became a youth pastor. He's a fantastic preacher of the gospel, and he's had the opportunity multiple times to reach people here in Western New York and and beyond what he's done in terms of his speaking here. He became just one of my closest, best, and strongest, and most important friends, and he's had mm. a great impact on not only me but my family too. Mm. And so, you know, Hank Kleinfelder was was a was a great help, you know, throughout this time as an as assistant director. And now Tom Smith from Casanova Baptist does a fantastic job and oh, is yeah. a great visionary. And uh, so we've had a lot of people that have helped to turn, the, you know, turn the league into a, a more purposeful league. Mm. Mm. So for you, you've you've seen. You've been involved for with different leagues, either yourself running it. How can Christian sports leagues be good and be bad? Yeah, well, I've, I've seen a lot <laughs> over the years, and uh, you know, I, I guess. And, and, and I've talked with some of the guys who who coach in the league. We used to play against each other. I, I remember talking to Jim Carr more than once. I said, Jim, when we used to play against each other. We didn't really model all the behaviors that I'm trying to get the house to model now. It's a lot harder when you're young and you're a player and you're a coach. You want to win trophies. And so that's one of the benefits of me not coaching a team and being a director. It's easier for me to stay a little bit distant from you know having a rooting interest. I can see things a little bit more balanced. But um, and, and that's part of our motto here. We have, you know, get it, got it, give it. This sort of phase that you go through. And, you know, you talk about, like, there was a time where, you know, Maybe you hadn't gotten it yet, and you weren't maybe displaying all these characteristics you want, but now you're in a role where you can really give back and help mentor and coach up the current coaches or players in, hey, this is how we want to model this for our athletes. Um, and so that's really cool that you've sort of been to be able to walk through that, and now you're at a place where you've seen and experienced maybe the way that things should be done, and then you can sort of give back and, and help 
provide that sort of atmosphere and experience for those kids. So that, that's really cool, just sort of walking through that there. That's a great model. It's a great way to look at it, Bjorn. I really identify with that. Mm. And, uh, you know, I guess... I think I think Christian leagues are best when the leaders, that, which is largely the coaches, uh, but there's other leaders involved too. You know, influencers. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a matter to me of building genuine, loving relationships, not just having hey, you're number two, go go in and play. No, I I need to know your name. I need to know where you live. I need to know what's mm-hmm. happening at school. I need to know what's happening with your family. I can't care for you if I don't know you. Mm-hmm. So you know, the, the, the most important so thing you got to start by building genuine, loving relationships. That then provides some credibility to be able to be honest and caring in, in terms of sharing God's truths. Mm. So, you know, that's, I think that, I think when somebody's doing that, that's really good. I, I mean, it's obviously bad if some, we have a lot of fans that come to our games, as you guys know. And so if somebody comes to the games and then they look at a coach and the coach is yelling and screaming and stomping, well, that, that hurts our testimony. Mm. I mean, we're not perfect. I guarantee I'm not perfect <laughs> but uh, but we don't want to be imperfect too much yeah and so you know I guess if I have any frustration with Christian sports it's only that you know there's some it, it, it's that sometimes we don't use that opportunity and, and, and even even if it's not I mean my coaching I coach a ton of softball mm. you know whether it's town league little league or major travel league around the country well, there's my that that's where I'm trying to share the gospel. It doesn't have to only be in Christian leagues. So, sure. you know, I think we always I think, you know, this past week I was meeting with Pastor Ken Nash and some other people and we were talking about the concept of being an everyday missionary. Mm-hmm. In everything we do, so I think we got to do. Yeah, I want to do that. And, yeah, and that, no, that's 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 so important. And I when I look at this world that God has created. God created and he said it was good. And that's that's with everything. That's with us as humans. That's with creation. That's with all of these things. And like the devil does not create himself. He just comes in and twists things that God has created for good to be bad. The devil just comes and twists. And that's where we get sin. Sin is a good thing that God has created being twisted for bad. And that's what I see sports, competition. God has created sport, competition, us to be athletes, to be able to run, kick, shoot, whatever it is. Mm. And that's good. And we can do that in good. But the devil comes in and just twists that and twists our arm or whatever it is and tempts us in ways to make it a bad thing. And that's when we see sport turn for the worse. And it's the same with everything. It could be music. God has created music to be a beautiful thing. But when the devil comes in and twists that... <clears throat> then music can be a bad thing. And we all know that there is some music that maybe is not glorifying to God. And there are athletes and coaches that maybe coach and play a sport in a way that is not glorifying to God. But there is a way to do it the right way. And so that's what I hear is with this league, it's how do we coach up these kids and how do you as director and Tom Smith as assistant director mentor and coach the coaches to coach in ways that are glorifying to God so that when a parent does walk in and sit on the bleachers, they can look out and see something different. Well, you know, jumping on that topic yeah. before is uh – as athletes, we want to win. Absolutely. Competition, winning. Winning is not wrong. 
It's, it's like it's like money. The Bible doesn't say money is wrong. The love of money mm. is is evil. Not money is not evil. The love of money is evil. Absolutely. Winning is not evil, but being obsessed with winning them, you know, instead of also relationships and 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 you know growing growing the kingdom that, that that's wrong so mm. I, I remember once when i was younger i read a story about a christian athlete he was a professional athlete i forget who he was and his, his leg got broken in a football game and and the testimony was the first thing he said was praise god i don't understand it but praise god wow. so he's going to praise god in all circumstances that's and tough. so <laughs> that's not easy no. you know and i i give you one you know i give you a personal story about that you know, sure. we might get in a little bit of this later but Bjorn, you may know this story but you know my one of my daughters Kaylee played at Houghton mm-hmm. she she couldn't wait to get to Houghton to play softball. She had lived her whole life from five years old playing softball. I'm going to talk to you about Houghton later. It was just the greatest school for her in terms of in terms of spiritual, in terms of academics, relationships, sports. And in the first inning of the first game, she broke her right wrist. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I didn't know that was her first game. First inning of the first that game. That is crazy. Wow. She, 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 uh, she got on base. She came around to score, collision at home plate, broke her wrist. She oh, changed her geez. whole freshman year. And, you know, it took us, okay, let's take, normally I'd take 24. That was painful for me, too. So it took 48 hours. I take 48 hours <laughs> to let this settle in. <laughs> now we're going to have to go in what I call production mode. Okay, now what are we going to do? How do I brush my teeth? How do I write? How can I go to class? How do I prepare myself for the season? Because that was a fall season, and the real season is in the spring. Sure. But, you know, how do I use this to glorify God? What's the what's gonna what are people gonna say six months from now how you handled mm. this? Mm. And so you know, there's so many opportunities that we have in troubled times. Yeah. That is such a great question for life too. Like how yeah. how am I gonna handle you know, a situation that either good or bad, is that is that gonna people are always watching. And yeah. I think we yeah. always forget that. Yeah. So. yeah. so Mark, talking a little bit more about this Christian basketball league, there's one more thing I wanna talk about, and that's the importance of the coach. Now, you mentioned how you know you can coach in the right way or the wrong way, but what is the importance of a coach in the Christian Basketball League? Well, that, that's that's a great question. You know, this league doesn't happen without coaches. That's that's sort of that's stating the obvious. Sure, but sure. It's, it's it's almost easy to get coaches who want to get a team to coach, mm-hmm. but in, in terms of us having the purpose that we have, you know, the way I look at it, right now we've got. We've averaged 16 teams in the league the last four or five years mm. with about wow. 200 people participating. And, and these these teams, these players, are, they're coming from the city of Buffalo, all parts of the city of Buffalo, all the suburbs in the around Buffalo. And we've got teams from as far south as Salamanca, Jamestown. We've got a team that comes up from Russell, Pennsylvania. Wow. How far a drive is that from? I think it's an hour and a half. but. It might be an hour and a quarter. But, yeah. You know, I, but still, that's a good drive. <laughs> well, sometimes people say, well, that's a long drive. But I said, well, they have more opportunity to build relationships in that drive than anybody else. Absolutely. So There you go. But, uh, they've got, oh, you know, Rick Rowland is the pastor and the coach. What a great guy. And, mm-hmm. and he comes up here. And uh, he already called me. Can't wait for it to happen again. So it's been a blessing. But, you know, we got 16 teams playing. We really have 17 teams because the coaches are a team. Mm. And so that's my that. job. That's my job is to coach the coaches. And 
all I can say is since that change in 1989, so we're 21, 22 years into the new theme of uh, of, of the league. Uh, I'm sorry, 30. That's 31 years, isn't it? Wow. Uh, yeah, there you we're, go. We're, we're 31 years in, into this. The the quality and the faith and the commitment of the coaches that we have now and, and the officials, the referees who love our league, uh, it, it's just never been better. And so, but but here, you know, the thing is, uh, here's what I hope for the coaches. I, 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 hope, I hope three things for the coaches. I hope that they grow in their relationship with the Lord. Mm. I hope that they build those caring relationships with their players, and I hope that they talk with their players about the truth we believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved and redeemed as a mm. child of God. Wow. And, uh, you know, we're we're coming from our, our group of coaches, we are, and players, we are coming with an incredible blend. We, we've got... We've got Baptist, Wesleyans, Lutherans, Pentecostals, non-churched teams. Um, I know I missed some. You, you know, we've got racial diversity. Huh. We've got geographical, you know, variety. We've got all kinds of different socioeconomic realities <clears throat> that we're coming together and doing something with the sole purpose of being able to love and and, and share the gospel of Jesus. Wow. And so... Being uh, the church. You're be, being the church. Being the church. Yeah. Mm. But I love that because sports is what brings all of those people from different backgrounds, cultures, whatever, together. But then it is Christ that really unifies them. Mm. And yep. when we have that solid base of coaches that believe in this mission and vision that you and Tom, as directors of the league, have provided for this league... That's really where we can have Christ be that unifying factor. So I just, I love it. It's just a beautiful picture of the body of Christ and of what I believe is the way the church should be is, Mm. you know, Christ is what unifies us. And in this instance, it's just basketball. That's what brings us together and gives us the opportunity to connect and to unite. Well, you're exactly right. Basketball is the attraction. And then we're trying to share Jesus. And, and, Right now, what we've been doing for years, and the most important way that we do that is we we stop at halftime every game, mm. and we have about a five, seven-minute talk. And so we've, we've got a little curriculum. It's really simple because the people who are sharing it are the coaches. So the coaches mm. rotate. Mm. So if we've got a 12-week season, these, these players are going to hear from 10, 11, 12 different men who are going to speak about their faith. Now, there's a lot of players. A lot of players in this league would never hear the name Jesus, would never step foot in the church, and would would never be hearing from a man who is saying Jesus is their Savior if it wasn't for this league. And so we've got a curriculum that basically starts with a practical topic, some scripture that supports it, give the coach a chance to speak in it personally, and, and we always end with the gospel. We, mm. we always want to share the gospel. And our our coaches just do a fantastic job of sharing. I mean, these are not, you know, these are not preachers and teachers. These are these are just guys, but they love, you know what? They they love basketball, they love people, and they love God. Mm-hmm. And for that 5 to 7 minutes, they're sharing the gospel. 
And so that's really the highlight. That's really where we have you know have the real tangible sharing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so that is so good. And so for you, you're also a father, and you have had some pretty athletic kids. So how has your life and faith impacted through sports as a father? Like, how has that been at being father of pretty successful athletes? Yeah, well, that's a, you know, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting journey that's been because there was a time I didn't know I'd have any children, and then Lori and I ended up having two daughters. Wow. And they're followers of God, and there's nothing better as a father than that. And to let our listeners know, it was an incredible weekend for Mark and his family, if you don't mind me sharing this, where his oldest daughter, Faith, they their first child was dedicated here on Sunday, and then Mark's youngest daughter, Kaylee, was actually baptized shortly after that as well. So it was a beautiful weekend just for, I'm sure, for you, Mark. Was that, was that a fun weekend, being able to see both your daughters up there just taking, you know, pretty big steps? In their life, with baptism and then the dedication of a first child, it was fantastic. Yeah, like I say, it doesn't get better right now mm. than that. You know, when you have a child, wow. a lot of people don't have a roadmap. You know, my, my, my roadmap. How did I learn how to be a parent from my parents? I was blessed by that. But mm. uh, you know, we had we had our first daughter, Faith Angeline, and then six years later, we have our second daughter, Kaylee Grace, and. Uh, you know, once in a while, people will ask, you know, or they'll say, "What's it feel like?" You know, you must you must be sad you don't have a son. And I can honestly say, there's not been a single second in my life where I mourned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I when those babies came out, they were healthy, and I just said, "God, thank you, help me be a father." And now uh-huh. I did say. I really don't know how to be a father to a daughter because I don't, you know, I, I, I sort of have a platform for how to be a father to a son because I'm a guy. So, you know, sure. like, all right, how's this going to work? But uh, honestly, it, it's it's always been been great. And, mm. uh, <clears throat> you know, I personally, I think that's the fathers without daughters that are the ones that are missing out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's been really special. Well, you know, you asked about their their lives mm-hmm. in sports. So, you know, Faith Faith played a little softball when she was younger, but then she dropped out of it. She didn't play it in high school. And so when she went down to Grove City College, a Christian college in Pennsylvania, and, and she called me during her freshman year, she said, you know, everybody's involved in something, and I'm not involved in anything, so I'm just letting you know. I went to the softball coach and said, I haven't played in a couple of years, and I know you didn't me, but if you'd like to have somebody throw batting practice, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and of course, the coach said, "Sure, but you know, you're not guaranteed in your playing time." And she said, "I know." Now, I went to the first game. She quote-unquote played because I wanted to see her in the uniform. Yeah. I think the first year she pitched about two or three innings, the second year about 10 or 12 innings. By the time she was a junior, she was the number one pitcher, led the, led the oh, team man. in wins wow. and you know earned run average. Hmm. She had a great success as a junior and a senior, but, I mean, most importantly, she actually became a captain. Wow. wow. And so... It didn't, take long, take, didn't take long for the rust to come off. It was incredible. <laughs> she was good. Yeah. yeah. She, uh, and so, you know, I loved watching her play. But, you know, one moment I'll share that was especially touching. You know, they have a senior day, and we went down there for the senior day. And as we, the way they did it was we walked out with Faith 
and 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 the team was there, and it was like there was a roar from the team, how loud they were when they announced Faith, because she had had such a great impact on them. You know, she had come from nowhere in terms of softball, but she had invested in them, and uh, and so you know that's where the long term impact is. So softball was great. Sure, I'll never give up all those softball memories, and we have, we have a lot. She and I do, but. You know how she used that to, to be witness and, and love people is what was really special. Now, now Kaylee's a different story. Kaylee started. We went over to sign up Faith for for town softball, and Kaylee was about four or five years old and tugged on my my elbow and said, "Hey, Dad, I want to sign up." I'm like, "You're too young." She said, "No, no, no. There's a, there's a table over there that says five and six year olds." <laughs> All right. Well, I don't think she's ever had a glove outside of, you know, 10 feet from her at any given time <laughs> since. Uh, you know, she started playing real young, always wanted to practice and play. Uh, you know, I had to, you know, I was coach for her on, on, on her travel teams. We went all over the country. Mm. We actually won a National Softball Association World Series. Oh, wow. And, of course, i got to tell you, she was the winning pitcher. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Oh. Yes, she was. <laughs> <laughs> now, she went down to Houghton, and she played all four years, you know, just about every inning. And she made all conference, and she won some other awards. And uh, you know, we got a lot of special memories uh, together. And uh, and she was also, she was, she was a captain on the team uh, for her time there. And so that was really special. And then after her sophomore year, she ended up getting recruited to play tennis. Wow. Yeah, and, and then we kind of became teammates because yeah. I was at Houghton at that time with Kaylee and I was on the men's tennis team, and when she joined the women's tennis team, there's times where our practices overlap, or sometimes we just have a good time, scrimmage with each other. Did she beat so, you? <laughs> I don't know if we ever played. We we may have played mixed doubles yeah. with or against each other, and so she may have. She may remember better than me, so uh, maybe I'll ask her. I, I think I'm going to talk with her on Thursday, so maybe I'll ask her on Thursday if, if that ever happened. But <laughs> Well, you know, I know she had a good forehand because she's a right-handed thrower, and I know she had a good two-handed backhand because she's a left-handed hitter. Yeah. And I knew she could cover the court because she's an infielder and she was cat quick like yeah. that. But what she didn't have was she she didn't have instincts for the for the game because she hadn't played <clears throat> and she didn't have a a serve. So I'm like, if you're going to be serious, we don't know what's going to happen. You don't want to get yourself embarrassed out there. She mm-hmm. came back. We got with Stefan Sayak. He goes to church here, mm-hmm. and he did a fantastic job getting her ready. And she soaked it all in and practiced. You know, six days a week, wow. and and next thing you know, she ended up having a great. It was fun. I mean, she ended up being her, her teammates ended up voting her MVP wow. uh, of the team her senior year. And so I really like she's playing tennis because she still gets to, now you can play that for a long time. Absolutely, lifetime sport. She says she's going to take me out tonight and play with me. So nice. There you go. There you go. An old guy like me can go out and play, hit, hit, <laughs> hit the ball around. So, um, excuse me. She she um, you know rounding out her story, she actually made the all decade team at school for both softball and tennis mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool and yeah. uh, I guess the last thing I'll say about her specifically is her senior day was also special because you know one of her teammates got to speak about her that teammate was so emotional about the impact that Kaylee had had on her life that literally 90 seconds went by and she couldn't get a word out mm. and then she finally did share and mm. and uh, so again that's the <clears throat> excuse me that's what we really want to do is impact um, 
people's lives. You know, I guess with both of them, it was fantastic. It still is. We go out and throw now. I mean, both of them, they're, they're pretty proud. You know, they can throw a football. Football is a lot harder to throw than a softball. <laughs> and uh, there's not a whole lot of, they'll say it. This is their, them saying it, not me. <laughs> All right. I said, Dad, you must be pretty proud. You got two daughters who can throw a football. I said, there's not a whole lot of girls who can throw a football, but I'm sure softball players, they're like, no, 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 no. I, the girls on our team couldn't throw a football. That's that's trickier, but they they, they can whip it around. Yeah. I, I used to play some quarterback myself too. But you know, being a father of a pitcher, it's it's tough because so much of the game is about pitching. But for for me, the softball field and tennis court, but softball field especially was a real great place where I was comfortable. It was natural for me to talk about. You know, the things like dedication and work effort and being being a teammate and, you know, winning with graciousness and losing with dignity. Mm. And so that's really the place where, you know, we have a lot of memories. And of all those lessons that we discussed over the years, you know, perhaps the most important is I used to always say softball is what you do, not who you are. Mm. Amen. Your real identity is in Christ. Our citizenship is not in this world. Mm. Wow. I love that. Softball is the sports. It's what you do, but it's not who you are. Man, that's so powerful. So for you, we talk about in the sweat room, get it, got it, give it. And we like to focus on how, okay, get it. This first phase of learning and growing, it's a phase that we never graduate from. You know, So for you, we've talked about how early in your years you were learning through sports or not through sports or whatever and have been growing. But for you today, what is an area of your life that you'd like to improve in and that you're maybe wide open to learning more about? An area that you're still growing and learning in? Uh, that's a great question, and I, I do agree that, you know, where the sanctification is a process, and uh, I, I, I have a lot of strengths in strategy and leadership and there's not a lot of people I've met who have more determination and resi- resilience to persevere through difficulties towards achievement. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I like to do that, like I say, collaboratively as a team. But but sometimes all that focus, that you know, being busy and, and being after it. Being after an achievement, even if it's with the team, even if it's for good purposes, mm-hmm. it, it can sometimes get in the way of of listening and slowing down and being kind to people that need to feel kindness. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, you know, I honestly, like literally in the last week and a half, I'm learning that even, even when I, even when I do care, sometimes how I'm caring huh. doesn't make someone feel cared for. Huh. Wow. And that can be an obstacle when I'm trying to witness, when I'm trying to share. Mm. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really trying to be aware and awake, awake for the opportunities that God gives me where he wants me to slow down and listen and care mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> so that's that's one place i'm i'm trying to yeah, keep growing that's so good wow so mark just as we wrap up here today do you have any final words uh, of wisdom or encouragement or any final remarks for our listeners today you know there's some some words that my former pastor and very good continuing friend todd glenn denning <clears throat> said years ago and I don't think a day goes by without me meditating on this which is God's purposes and his strength not my goals and my objectives so it's a matter of yielding can you say that one more time God's purposes and his strength 
not my goals and my efforts. Mm, that's so good. Wow. So, uh, you know, God's on the throne, not me. I, mm-hmm. I, I resigned from trying to be general manager of the universe. And uh, <laughs> sometimes i got to remind myself that. But, you know, God's on the throne, his ways. And so, you know, ultimately, it's like Frank Reich said after the comeback, in Christ alone. That's, Amen. That's really the key. Wow. I love that. And, and with that, I think we'll have to wrap up our conversation with that because that is just so powerful. So thank you so much, Mark, for being with us today. It's always an honor and a joy and a privilege to speak with you. So thanks for joining us today on The Sweat Room. My pleasure, guys. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts of today's podcast? Yeah, I, I loved having Mark on. Uh, he's, you know, one of my one of my favorite people. Mm. No offense to all the other people I talk to, but Mark is one of my favorite people. He really is. He, you meet with him a lot. I meet with him a lot, and just he has a lot of experience and wisdom. And what I love is just his preparation. Mm. And I can see how the preparation that he has in life leads to success for lack of a better way to say it. Absolutely. And, and Noah, you and I, we both know he came in and he was prepared. He had, he had things written down. He had words he wanted to share with oh our listeners. Gosh. He had stories he wanted to share and he was ready to go. It was written down, ready to go. He had, you know, he even brought the 30 top favorite games of his, the yeah, whole list. Literally it was a whole page whole for page. you guys who, I wish we could show you the visual. We might have to show the visual of yeah. the Buffalo Bills games, but it was pages. It was pages. I'm like, pages. Preparation's a great word for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah preparation. And, and I can see so evidently in his life how preparation has benefited him. And, and, mm-hmm. and what something he said was oftentimes your greatest strength is also and can be your greatest weakness. Mm-hmm. And I love that he recognized that. And I challenge all of our listeners and, and you too, know is identify what your greatest strength is. Mm-hmm. What is something that you are really good at? Maybe it's something that comes naturally to you that you're naturally gifted in. And how can that be a weakness? And once you can identify that, then you can help prevent it from becoming a weakness mm. when you know that this may be a tendency for you in your life. And so absolutely, that, those are some things that I've learned from Mark, maybe not necessarily in this conversation, but sure. just in life. Yeah. I think, I think a word that comes to mind for me with Mark is authentic. Mm. He's just an authentic guy. He loves people and wants to make sure that, you know, they're doing okay. He goes the extra. I, I love even when he's talking about just the coaches. Yeah. You know, just being in their life and making that th- make sure that they're doing all right, and then they're affecting the kids and so on. And so I love that. So I loved just his op- his vulnerability was another word that came to mind with him. Yeah. Just sharing just a little of the hard times that he went through, even in his marriage. Mm. To, but you just see how God is flowing through his veins, mm. and. That moment didn't define him, didn't define his marriage. Yeah. And so it's just a powerful testimony. I love all that he's doing, even in just the Christian Basketball League. Kids from all the way close to Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. I know. That's crazy. To the north towns of Buffalo. Yeah. Inner city. It's it's all these kids. And this league's been going on for, what, 31 years now? Something like that. Something crazy. That is amazing. Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah, that is Absolutely incredible. So yeah. that was such a great conversation. I'm so glad our listeners got to listen Absolutely. to that conversation and, with Mark. And Noah, if I could just end it with this, something that Mark said that he got from a former pastor of his and friend, Todd Glendening, who said, God's purposes and his strength, not my goals and my efforts. Mm. So listeners, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you've got a pen and paper close, write that down. 
and pray over that because that is powerful. And if you can speak that truth over your life, transformation will come. Mm, That's a good word. Next week, we're jumping into week three of our Local to Global series, and we are going from the local to the global. So we're so excited for that. We're going to be doing an interview with Bill Gallopel of Southern Cal Seahorses. He's a sports ministry missionary, and this is a conversation that is fascinating. Here's an excerpt. Because um, when I first came to Christ, I was playing on a high-level um, amateur team, and I was I was kind of struggling with this whole how do I how do I do the faith thing in this sports world because the sports world has different expectations than what I'm picking up from this Christian world and sure. um, I didn't I didn't know how to put the two together and there wasn't anybody um, at my church that I that I started going to that could help me figure that out so that that started the um, you know that that started my kind of quest for how do I how do we put these two together and remember in the sweat room we get it got it and give it thanks for listening to the sweat room a podcast of watermark wesley and church 